I just, Ben, I want to do it again. That was so good. I cannot wait till eternity with Jesus Christ. Cannot wait. It's good to be with you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors. And um, to let you know, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41 if you want to get and open up the Word of God. But first, before you do that, I need you to get your phone out, please. If you have a phone, get it out. And my wife was actually up here earlier speaking with you about something called Seek First. Friends, this is the Word of God, 66 books right here. And yet we know the majority of people, even though we know that you can discover life through Jesus in this, don't read it on a daily basis. Blows my mind, right? So this right here, I'm at, even if you don't want to do this, entertain me for a moment. Just entertain me. Take a picture. Make it look like you're being holy. Right? All we're trying to do is spend 21 days reading through the Gospel of Matthew together. So what you're going to do is you'll get about a two-minute video from me or one of my friends every single day via text in the morning. It's going to come up. You've got the video. You've got a, a, a reading. It won't take you but probably five to eight minutes. And then you're going to spend some time praying before God. I want thousands of people all reading the Word of God together. And let's just see what God does. And it's the Gospel of Matthew. So we're starting at 21 days before Easter because for Palm Sunday and for Easter, I'm going to jump in and tell you the uh, Easter story through the Gospel, through the lens of the Gospel of Matthew. So it all culminates together. We're just trying to get you to read the Word of God. Second thing I, I want to tell you is they talked about Easter. We only have two Sundays after this Sunday before we walk into Palm Sunday. It's coming fast and furious. I think it's crazy, but so be it. It is what it is. And you'll notice that we have Easter services on Wednesday. Yay. <laughs> Why are we doing that? Because that Thursday and that Friday, and then the next week is spring break. And you're going, yeah, but if people, if you cheer for spring break, you better cheer for Jesus. Okay? Um, so some people are going to go, well, if they really love Jesus, they'd come anyway on Easter, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to beat you up for that. And some of you have a condo that you want to give to me for a week, so I get it. Um, whatever that looks like. Um, but what I would say is this. I'm not here to reach saved people. I'm here to reach lost people. And so what I want you to do is I want you to go, hey, look at your neighbor. Look at a friend. Say, you want to go to Easter? They're going to go, I'm going to spring break. I'm so sorry. You're going to go, perfect. My church has a Wednesday service. Right? And I want you to bring them to that service. And because I love that if you're online, that you're watching online, thousands of people are watching online literally every week. I love the fact that you're doing that. But no matter what, I do believe God created us for relationship, and you need to be in the church as best as you can. So um, make sure you take that opportunity to be able to come and be a part of that on that Wednesday. Then we get to preach Good Friday, talking about whiplash, and then we have Easter again. I get two Easter's this year. Take that. All right? So that's what's going on there. Genesis chapter 41. Um, I gave you a, a quick preview, or, or, or I gave you a review last week of what's been happening with the life of Joseph. Genesis is four primary characters, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. All right? Um, and... What we learn is in Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to do an even faster one this time because you've heard it before. I know some of you are new. You can go back and listen to stuff. Um, Joseph is the 11th out of 12 boys. Benjamin's the youngest. Joseph is the favorite, and he has some dreams. It says, hey, brothers, you're going to worship and bow before me one day. They don't like it much. They want to kill him, but instead they sell him. Throw him in a pit, sell him off. He ends up 
with the captain, one of the captains of the guard um, named Potiphar living in his home there in Egypt and rose to prominence in that household. Um, and Potiphar put him over his household. But Potiphar's wife had eyes for Joseph and came on and tried to seduce him. And we all know um, that in Hebrew, it tells us that Joseph looked at her and said, no bueno, right? No good. It can't, I'm not doing it. She doesn't like that very much, reports him. As a result, they, he could have been killed right then, by the way. Could have been killed right then. Wasn't thrown in prison. We know that we have a baker and a cupbearer who worked for Pharaoh who were thrown in prison. They had dreams. He interpreted those. And when he did that, he said, hey, if you ever go back before Pharaoh, don't forget me. But, of course, he was forgotten, and he was left stranded there for how long? There you go. Great job. So two years he's there. Um, well, then Pharaoh, what we learn is in Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh ends up having some dreams. And how many does he have? Two dreams. That's significant because he remembered both of them and they both have the same meaning. And he's going to all of his priests and all of his magicians. Twice it mentions that he, uh, about his magicians. And he's like, I'm trying to get all the, he's getting all his smart people together. Say, so what's this mean? Can they tell him what that dream means? No. Can't do it. And so finally the cupbearer, even though the baker got killed, um, as according to the dream that he had when he was in prison, but now here's the cupbearer who's before Pharaoh and says, hey, I remember this guy. I know a guy. I love knowing people who know people, right? Because it's not, as friends, if, you, if today's world, it just is what it is. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And so here comes the cupbearer and he looks at Pharaoh and he goes, hey, I know a guy. When I was in prison, this guy by the name of Joseph, was able to interpret some of my dreams. So Pharaoh's like, hey, I know this is important. Two dreams, God was really making an impression on him. And so he calls him up and he wants to know what's going on. And um, we already know from last week, what happens is uh, Joseph is not only able to have the knowledge of interpreting the dreams, but he has the wisdom to know what to do with them. Everybody say knowledge and wisdom. Grace from last week. He had the knowledge of knowing what the dreams meant, but he also had the wisdom, and we need more people with wisdom. We have a bunch of smart people today, and they're like, oh, look at me. I'm so smart. But they, and people sometimes come to me and like, why don't you think they're following me? I'm like, because nobody likes you. Because you care more about being right than righteous. And so we find this guy by the name of Joseph who has the, the biblical, the godly wisdom that he needs to know what needs to be done with the dreams, and he does it in the right way. And Pharaoh likes this. We learn very quickly that Pharaoh um, took a liking, if you would, to Joseph because of his character and who he was. And that's what we get to talk about today because it's so important. Joseph, remember, over at least a hundred parallels to the life of Jesus. And here's somebody who went through so much difficulty and so much hardship over and over again. Now, this is vital because I think today, straight up, we have a lot of people who are willing to talk about how um, they hurt. It's not wrong to speak about how you hurt, and it's not wrong to speak about the hard things in your life, but often what I am learning and seeing today is that we complain when things are really, really bad, and we complain about how someone's cheated us. We complain about being in the pit. We complain about being sold into slavery. If you're sold into slavery, do you think that's worth complaining about? Yeah. Okay. If you're cheated uh, in terms of if you're working for somebody and they falsely accuse you of something, worth complaining about? Yeah, maybe so. Here's, here's the reality is that we live in a world today 
where we're living as victims. I've said it time and time again, if you know Jesus Christ, you are no longer a victim. Because I also think Joseph is going to be 30 years old. This is the story today. He's going to be 30 years old, and he's going to be the second most powerful person in one of the most powerful nations in the entire world at 30. In a day, he's going to go from living in a dungeon to being the prime minister of Egypt. And I think we would then complain about having so much responsibility at a young age, and it's just not fair. I'm serious. We're a bunch of complainers. Not you, of course. I'm talking about the world. Right? It doesn't matter what's going on. We're like, well, this isn't fair. This isn't right. And we're like, well, you've been sold into slavery. Like, okay, it's hard. And, but we're drawn to people who are victims. That's the sad thing. What you're going to also hear today is it spends a few verses speaking about the seven good years of plenty. And it spends seven chapters speaking about the seven hard years. When we think about other people that we learn from, we often learn from their difficulty, right? I tell people, learn from Henry Ford. He went bankrupt 13 times. I tell people on the staff all the time, don't waste your failure. Don't waste your failure. As long as you're failing toward the vision and what we're called to as, as disciples and as a church, I'm great with you failing because honestly, that prepares you more for what God is about to do than not failing. But we're afraid of it, and we love the victim mentality, and we love the woe is me mentality. But yet Joseph has something very different going on. And yet God used him in remarkable ways for it. It begins with this, and this is in Genesis chapter 41, 37 through 41. That's all I want to start with, 37 through 41. Will you please stand for the reading of the word of God? And when you see the underlined part, you're going to read that entire portion, okay? This proposal, so remember, he had the knowledge of knowing what was going to happen. He also had the wisdom to know what to do with it. Pharaoh heard this, and it pleased him, made him happy. And so this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? And so then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only in, as, in regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This is going to be fun. And this is the word of God. You may be seated. Not only does he have the right understanding and interpretation of Scripture, he knows what to do with it. He has the right interpretation of the dreams from Pharaoh, and he knows what to do with it. And so Joseph, we see him very quickly, and basically, in basically a day. He, he, he goes from being in the dungeon to being now the prime minister, and he is going to be able to tell everybody in this school, it says everybody's going to do what he says. And I, I'm just praying for that in my own home. Right, just for a little bit, clean the dishes, right? And so here's 
this entire story of Pharaoh understanding Joseph and who he was. But I love the life of Joseph as a whole. I keep looking at the picture. I do believe that we would have complained about being sold into slavery, and that's hard to be sold into slavery. I think we would have complained about being um, betrayed and lied about. I think we would have complained about living in prison. I think we would have complained about being forgotten while living in prison. And now they have to shave them and get them all ready to go before Pharaoh. But I think today we truly would also complain about being given such responsibility. You don't know the stress on me. You don't know the hardship. I've got to make sure I do do this right. Like, right? We, we always are looking at this. Friends, we have to understand sometimes we want to get through and endure and persevere through our hardship, which is biblical, by the way. Paul often speaks about perseverance and enduring and running the race. But we need to start understanding that it's in the midst of the hardship that we often have our greatest opportunity to represent Jesus. And so we can be praying away the greatest opportunity we have. Why? Because the responsibility of the believer isn't to make sure that God does what you would like him to do. The greatest responsibility of the believer is to make sure that you're giving God glory in every situation. And we are examined. We are, at the end of our life, we are often viewed by others, not by how we walk through the the easy, but the hard. And so we find Joseph being fruitful in the midst of hardship. And because he's fruitful, he's noticed by Pharaoh. Now, why is he noticed by Pharaoh? Well, it's pretty remarkable what we are about to see. It says, and you read it in verse 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? In whom is the spirit of God? In whom is the spirit of God? We've already seen the spirit of God uh, referenced even all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Um, but not, we have not seen him in terms of coming upon a man until this point, in this manner. And the Holy Spirit is upon him. Now remember, Trinity has always been. Jesus has always been. I say it all the time. It's just in human flesh 2,000 years ago. Trinity is one and the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So here all of a sudden we find that the Holy Spirit is, is upon this man. It's, it's God, guys, you, we must understand that God's Spirit makes you stand out. Having God's Spirit upon your life is more important than being the smartest cat in the room or having the most money or having the greatest title, having the greatest position, having the coolest job or having the most number of cars or houses. What makes someone stand, stand out in today's world is having the Holy Spirit upon them. And that's why Joseph is so important because it was, it was incredible. It was just noticeable how he was standing out from everyone else. And when you invite Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is now upon him. And you look at the fact that the Holy Spirit is upon him and Pharaoh sees the difference in the midst of hardship, right? He's not prime minister yet. He's still a prisoner who's brought before Pharaoh, and yet Pharaoh sees the difference because of who he is in this moment. It's easy to be cool when everything's great. But who you are in the heart when you've been betrayed, walking through a marital difficulty or a financial difficulty, or not knowing, listen, today's world is just hard. It starts young. 
However you guys are teaching our kids to do math, that's a hard day. Huh. And then it goes to, oh, I got to get into high school. And, then, and now they say that the average eighth and ninth grader are the most stressed because they don't know where they better go to college. And I'm going, why do we give so much emphasis? I'm a trustee at a university, okay? So hear me say, I love higher ed. Love it. But only 53% of people in this nation actually go to college. And we give so much emphasis and we create so much stress and so much worry about where can I get in and can I afford it? And I'm going to have $4.8 million in debt after just the freshman year. And so then like, what do we do now? And so then you get married and you have more stress on your life. Because then you can't even get them to share the toothpaste and you're worried about that. And you have kids. One of my friends recently, they're like, ah, they, just got, they got like a two month old. And they're like, it's a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> Well, what'd you think it was going to be? <laughs> like, like, I mean, come on. You look at it, and then all of a sudden, your kid gets sick, and that's another, another difficulty. Or then you lose a job, and you don't know where you're going to live, and you're going to know what you're going to do. And it just keeps coming and coming. Then you can't retire because you don't have the resources to retire, and you don't have enough pension. And it's just one thing after another. But who you are in the midst of the difficulty says far more about you. I'm going to keep hitting this because that is called the Holy Spirit living upon you, living in your life. And it made Joseph stand out. Pharaoh saw the Spirit of God on Joseph in his character and his knowledge and his wisdom. He said, I mean, this is, this is a different dude. This is a different guy. That's why he looked at the magicians and he looked at the priests and all these other people. He's calling upon these individuals and they can't interpret anything. And he says, who else is like this and whom the Spirit of God is on? Listen, Egypt was crazy polytheistic. You know what that means, right? All kinds of gods. Monotheistic, mono meaning one, so one god, right? We're monotheistic. There's one god. They're polytheistic, and they believe in all these different gods, and they would just make up gods and do whatever. And now he's going, wait, spirit spirit of God, capital G here, not lowercase. There's something different about this guy. That's who we should be, friends. If your demeanor in the midst of good or hard is the same as the world around you, we're missing it. We look at difficulty, we look at affliction as detours. And the desires of our life but difficulties and, and affliction are often the greatest opportunities for the purpose of our lives. Opportunities to reflect, trust in a Savior, in a God who promises to never leave us. And we can find sometimes the greatest opportunity we have in the midst of the difficulty to still praise God and to trust Him and to worship Him. And Joseph was a person whom the Holy Spirit was upon and Pharaoh took notice. And I pray that the world would take notice that we're different even in the hardship. And so here, very quickly, we find Joseph being set over the house of Pharaoh. He had already been over Potiphar's house. He had already been over somewhat the house in the prison. Like he's given all our responsibility there. And now he's going to be given all this responsibility with 
Well, the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he's given this leadership. Uh, it, it tells us that Pharaoh said to Joseph, <coughs> See, I have set over you the land of Egypt. I've set over for you the land of Egypt. Pharaoh knew that he needed to surrender in some form to Joseph's knowledge and his wisdom that he had displayed because of the Spirit of God being upon him. And so all of a sudden, these 13 years of hardship, so let you be reminded, he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. We are about to learn that he was 30 years old at this time. So these 13 years of hardship are something that stand out to us. The hardship was preparation. Who you are in the midst of the preparation matters. And he says, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. All the land of Egypt. And in this passage, he says, in verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. And then in verse 42, he says this, and then Pharaoh took his signet ring. Now, I just want to read this for you. Listen up. So it's going to mention signet ring more than once. That's important because he would take a signet ring and he would make an impression. And if it had the Pharaoh's impression on it, whatever that says you do. And he's going to give him the ability to do that very thing. He's giving him a tremendous authority. So he's going to put signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. He's going to clothe him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. That, that, I love that because I remember seventh grade year, gold herringbone on my neck. I was a stud. Anybody else remember this? I weighed at least 72 pounds. I was so skinny. And I was just like, man, look at me. I got a gold hair. I had the butt cut, right? And it was just... Those are good days. Good days. Amen. Anybody else raised in the 80s? I mean, 90s. I mean, 2000s. Right? And so here, all of a sudden, he's got the gold chain around his neck. And now it says he made him ride in his second chariot. I think we need a chapel point chariot. I think that'd be cool during a parade, heading down Baldwin. The point is, literally about a day or so before, he's in a dungeon in a pit, and now he is... Remember, they had to clean shave him at the Word of God. Before, him, before he could be brought before Pharaoh, they had to clean him up so much to shave him and everything else because he, he was a disgrace in many regards, I guess you would say. And now, not long after, he's got the best linen on him. He's got a chariot that he's riding in. He's got a gold chain around his, his neck, and he's being given all of this authority. And they called out before him, bow the knee. You, you don't think some pride and arrogance can come? How do you respond to difficulty? But also, how do you respond to the good? Right? Some of us, if we don't have what we think we need, we can complain and grumble, and then we have what we need, and we can complain and grumble, or we boast and we're prideful. How do you respond to the difficulty? How do you respond to the hardship? But also, how do you respond to the good? 
Now, I don't necessarily think all of this is being good, but I think the majority of the world does. Oh, man, you got the cherry, you got the gold chain, you got the best clothes, look at you, you're awesome. But he also has this responsibility. Have you ever thought about this? I just told Pharaoh that we're going to have seven really good years and seven bad years. He just appointed me chair over everything. I hope I got this right. You ever thought about that? Like, have you, you ever taken, maybe some of you have your own business and when you were young and you wanted to start your business, whatever age you were. And so you're like, you look at, you look at your spouse and you go, Hey, I think God wants me to start this business, but it's going to take everything we have financially. Are you in? And then they look at you and go, I believe in you. You can do this. That's always a response, right? I believe in you. Just if you need to use every penny that we've ever saved, do it. It doesn't matter if we lose it. I want you to chase your heart. Isn't that how they always respond? And then when you're going for it, you're not quite sure if it's going to work. And then you take a hit and you go, oh, no, we might have just lost everything. Well, he has been appointed second in charge. He's, again, prime minister of Egypt. And now he's about to walk through this thing. And he's been given all this responsibility. And you don't think it ever crosses his mind to go, I hope this works out okay. Not only that, it doesn't even stop, stop there. It says that without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And then it goes even further. You want to talk about responsibility to carry. And in verse 45, it says that he is then going to call his name Zephanath-Paniah. I like Joseph better. Amen. Is it easier for me? And not only that, but he's going to get, he's got a priest with this beautiful daughter, and he's going to give her to him in marriage. They're going to end up having two kids. You better not get this wrong. And it just continues to go. And it tells us verse 46, Joseph was 30 when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and it says he went throughout all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. So far, his prediction was right. What God told him, he's like, okay, I hope this is right. The land produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities, and he put in every city the food from the fields around it. He stored up the grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. The abundance was so great, they couldn't even measure it anymore. I want that to be like our worship to God. We can't even count the minutes, the hours, the days, because our, our worship is so great and so abundant. And here's what you have to notice. This is such the posture of the world today also, because and for about three verses, it speaks about the abundance. For the next seven chapters, it's going to speak about the seven bad years. Like, do any of you know how to speak about the hard more than you even know how to speak about the good? I just want to sit with that for a moment. Because again, you got four, three, four verses speaking about, and for seven years the land was full of abundance. It was remarkable. They couldn't even count it anymore because it was so amazing. And then for the next seven chapters, remember the story of Joseph is Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50. And now for the next seven chapters, basically, it's going to speak about the seven hard years and what took place. 
You're going to have seven years of plenty and seven years of hardship. But even if you only have seven minutes of God and a lifetime of, of difficulty, the seven minutes of God is still worth talking about more than the hardship because God is greater than the hardship. But is that your posture? I had a little bit of tension in my family a few years back. Whenever something is needing, needing to be said to someone that's difficult, both sides of the family, meaning my side and my wife's side, tend to come to me. Anybody else like this? <laughs> hey, we got a cousin. I've never even met that cousin. Yeah, but you're the right person. <laughs> anybody, anybody like this? I'm like, I'm like, okay, you guys need to pray more. Um, and I looked at somebody that I love very much, and I said, and do you know how to look past your heart? Because when I think about you, when I think about Joseph, I go, man, that was a, that was a, that was a person of God. I, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm so blessed to serve in this ministry is when I think about the elders that I serve with, my first thing is not thinking about, like Lance and Perrin, who's the chair last year. Some of you go, he's tall. He's seven, six, seven, something like that. And to someone like me, that feels like nine, four, Right? I don't think about that with him. Though. I really don't. I, I give him a hard time for it, but this is what I think about when I think about Lance and Perrin. He's a man of God. Yeah. yeah. When people think about you, do they go, man, that, that individual is a person of God. The Spirit of God is on them. The way that they speak, the way that they always give attention to the glory of God and not to the, just the difficulty that's happening in their life. And so I went to one of my relatives and I said, I, I, that's all I hear and you claim to have this joy of the Lord and I've not seen the joy yet. I've seen the pity and I've seen the, the, the wallowing around and the self-pity, but I haven't seen someone who says, I have victory in Christ and even the, in the difficulty, especially in the difficulty, I will give glory to God. That was the life of Joseph. And so then we come to this place where he says, but before the famine came, two sons were born, right? He gave both of the sons, this is really interesting to me, they didn't give them Egyptian names, he gave them Hebrew names. One means forgetful, forgetfulness, and one means faithful. Now this is wonderful to me because God has blessed me with the spirit of forgetfulness. I, I just don't, I've talked about it before, I don't remember certain things that people have done to me that have been wrong. If you go, hey, tell me about this, I'm like, yeah, I can tell you about it. But I just, I'm like, we're all messed up. Like in the nicest way possible, I expect you to mess up because you're a sinner, but the beauty of it all is is that we have the grace of Jesus Christ and he can redeem and renew and even restore our relationship even if you cheat me. Okay. And what we're going to learn from Joseph is that God allowed him to forget all of the wrongs in order to live in all of God's goodness. Does that need to be learned from anybody here? And I'm not making light of the hardship, Pastor, but you don't know. I know that Joseph was sold into slavery, was going to be killed by his own family. I know that he was betrayed and thrown into prison and forgot to, for two years. But the Spirit of God was still on him. 
And then here comes verse 53. The seven years of plenty, just started talking about it like verse 48, um, 47, sorry. And now in verse 53, it's already shifted. There it is. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. Now, again, I, I'm, if I'm Joseph, I'm, I'm so glad this, like, I would have been praying for a famine and not to have a famine all simultaneously. Because you don't want to be wrong. Like, if it's year eight, and the good is still there, you're going, God, I need some help. Can you bring catastrophe? Seven years of famine had be- uh, began to come. As Joseph had said, there was a famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. One of those parallels, 100 of them, right, to Jesus Christ, 100 plus, one bread of life. So here they're going to mention bread a couple of different times just to tie it all together. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to, to you, do. Okay. Talking about a weight of responsibility. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the what? All the what? This is vital. The entire earth was now coming to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And nobody had prepared except for Egypt because God and his spirit was on a man by the name of Joseph. Even in prison, God was preparing him to do a great thing. I'm... Seven, eight hundred of you showed up this afternoon tonight for what we call a congregational gathering. It was an amazing time of worship and just to hear about what God was doing and it was remarkable and I loved it. And I was very clear in telling them, guys, I think the persecution and the hardship is going to come more and more to where we are. But we're not going to ever be a church that tries to hunker down and make sure we make it through. We're going to use that as an opportunity to pro- proclaim Jesus more than ever. And so we're preparing for that. We're preparing for that and how we're going to start training certain people even more so in talking about their own salvation and what Christ has done for them. We're preparing for it with some buildings and some other things that we're doing and launching some new sites. We're preparing for it financially and we're going to need your help because of what's going to come because it's not going to be long before they're going to tax you more if you give to a Bible-believing church. I've got a bunch of pastors right now that are just concerned about, buddy, in five years, ten years, whenever it is, what if they no longer give a tax break or the people are going to still give? I say, listen, if the people stop giving because they don't get a tax break from it, then the people actually probably don't know God. So we have to prepare for what's coming, and Joseph is now preparing, and it's come, and now everybody's coming and going, what's going on? We need help, and they're trying to get everything that they can from Egypt, from Joseph, to buy grain because the famine was so severe over the earth. I, I just, I love that in the darkest of times, that Joseph trusted God. In the good times, Joseph trusted God. And when I say good times, when he was no longer in prison, but he had this huge weight. I, I would argue that living in prison and doing nothing for many people would be better than having the responsibility of preparing for a famine that would impact the entire earth. And what we find is, a, is an individual 
parallels to Jesus who simply trusted God in every single situation. He trusted the words of God without hesitation. I told you before, 66 books in the Bible, every one of them is true. And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to trust in his word no matter what? Because he doesn't promise easy. He says, I will walk with you through the easy. He doesn't promise the difficult. He doesn't promise anything. He just says, in all things, give me glory and give me honor. Joseph was someone who trusted in the words of God without hesitation. And so these seven years of famine begin. Even the people in Canaan, which included his family, were hurting. But we also find a man by the name of Joseph who is willing to seek to be fruitful in hardship, not only to endure the hard, He sought to be faithful, fruitful in the heart, not only to simply endure the heart. Again, I, enduring and persevering, that's a biblical thing to pray, but we need to capitalize on the heart because people are watching us. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I stood in front of you and I said, we need more Josephs. We need more Josephs. And... Who are you when things are going really well for you? Who are you when things are going really bad for you? Who are you and are you a person who the Holy Spirit is resting on and you're simply trusting God regardless, regardless? If you want to be used by God, understand that in the midst of difficulty and hard is sometimes when we can be most used. So we walk that journey. So much of this points to the life of Jesus, the suffering Messiah, who suffered and died for us so that we might have eternal life. I think Joseph was captivated by God. Are you captivated by God? And how else do you give God attention in every situation? I mean, we've, he's represented all of them from the very worst to the very best. He was captivated by God. So if your marriage is hurting, God can still use you. And when your finances are in trouble or your career or your job or your friends, know that God can use all things as an opportunity to point to him. God, thank you for the life of Joseph and what we're able to learn from him, how we're able to grow and who he was. 
as somebody who was pointing to you, who had the Holy Spirit on him, may we know what it is to have the Holy Spirit on us and to let that be what people remember of us. Not that we're the smartest or have the most resources, just that we are captivated by God, captivated by God. Praise be to you. Amen.